uh, I saw a program on Vice TV, and, and indeed it was called Vice TV Suggests Black Women Have Found a New Path in Witchcraft. Uh, it was a very interesting uh, programming. I don't want to give away too much of the programming uh, for those who have not seen it. I believe it is still running. It is still available. Um, so I don't want to, you know, dampen anyone's opportunity to go and sort of take in the broadcast on their own and sort of get their own uh, place and, and position. Uh, many of my longtime listeners and participants uh, sort of have an idea where I place you know, in this conversation. And just before we came on, I shared um, a video that I found on YouTube. Uh, I closed the window, so it's not in front of me, of course. Uh, just give me a second. And it was a, I believe, a UK broadcast called African Spirituality, Understanding Witchcraft, and witches featuring Baba Yuba. And I believe he's in Nigeria right now. I can't recall exactly where. Uh, and the podcast um, representative, as I am a podcast representative, I believe he's located in the UK. I went 33 minutes video, very edifying, very empowering. Um, a great deal of information is, is shared there, is, is revealed there. So, again, I'm not going to um, dampen anyone's opportunity to go and sort of watch it uh, on their own. Uh, but it's called uh, African Spirituality, colon, Understanding Witchcraft and Witches Featuring Baba Yuba, Y-O-O-B-A, Baba Yuba. And I will say, um, Otan and all my, my lovely participants, um, he said many things that I've said uh, and have been saying. Uh, it's in archive in Block Talk Radio, uh, I believe back to 2008. Um, it's now in archive many times over, you know, in, in the last almost two years of YouTube uh, uh, podcast and broadcast about this very topic. And so one of the nuances of the video that I certainly appreciated and supported was the idea that, you know, we're sort of coming from a colonized mindset. Many of us, we struggle with the idea, but many of us, the language, the food, the nuances, you know, the good morning, good afternoon, you know, very Western, Eurocentric, you know, white you know, sort of reality that we've all sort of amalgamated into, whether you like it or not. Now, you might live out in a rural area somewhere. You might have your, you know, personal island somewhere. But at some point, you intersect, you know, with the economy of the world, with the vibration of the world. And so the sort of notions of Christendom and Islamic thinking and Judaic thinking have dominated, you know, many many countries, many ethnic groups, many cultures, you know, throughout the world. There's very few that have been untouched, you know, in some way, you know, by, by the dominance of these, uh, these religions that don't represent indigenous people, that don't represent who we really are, you know, at the core. So language has always been problematic, especially in English. 
Um, I was taught English was a filthy, dirty language. Um, words have too many meanings. Um, you know, one letter can just change the whole dynamic of a word. How it's pronounced can just change the whole dynamic of a word. Um, and English is very elusive in that we can go from community to community, family to family, neighborhood to neighborhood, and find nuances of language that are specific to that community. Um, we make groceries, you know, and on special occasions we might hang out on neutral ground. Now, if you're from New Orleans, then you know exactly what, you know, what I just said. If you're not from New Orleans, that might sound kind of interesting, you know. So when we start trying to describe ATR, traditional African-based religious systems, Ifa, Voodoo, Voodon, Paulo, Kendable, uh, Maria Leonza, we're often doing it through the, the language of the very oppressors who sought to kill it, Portuguese, French, English, you know. And so which has taken on a very derogatory connotation, and not just in the Western world. Indeed, and, and others might say, unfortunately, even on the motherland, even on the mother continent um, herself. But again, by way of that footprint of Islam and Judaism and Christianity and, and many of its various branches that serve as sort of a, a distraction to us really getting back to the core of, of who we are, you know, as a people. So I appreciated hearing that being, again, shared and reiterated. I also appreciated something that he said, if you didn't see the video, um, that everybody's born a witch. Everybody. But, but that's no different than me saying the black woman is God the black woman is God. The black woman is God. And then humanity came from the bosom and the womb of the black woman. And so we're, we're all born in divinity, particularly if we are untouched, unscathed, un, uncolonized, you know, all the other isms that we could enumerate that interrupt the cycle, the pattern, the natural pattern of us returning to self, because because returning to God is returning to self. And for my new listeners, um, and for my new listeners, um, you know, I, I've been saying for years, spirit is more real, more evident, more effectacious, more, more uh, workable than anything we can even envision in the physical. All of our physical reality has to come from out of spirit, from out of space, from out of dark matter. And, and so we're all born witches in the best case scenario. But the words and the language and the usage have been so sullied and so dirty, uh, particularly over the last 800 years, you know, that we have to be clear about the mother, the great mother, having a root, having a lineage, having a family. And so we can't remove the goddess. We can't remove the God. We can't remove all the pieces, you know, th th that come together to make up sort of this sacred body 
of spirit that, that we all truly and indeed are. And so all the things that we seek from the gods, from the Loa, from the Orisha, must first be able to come through you, must first be able to manifest, you know, indeed through you. And so if there's witchcraft, if there's magic, if there's quantum metaphysics, then why not claim that? Why not accept that? Why not embrace that? And in so doing, acknowledge the great mother that came before us, the great elders that stand still with us, the great ancestors that have gone on before us but still support us and, and, and hold us up today. So it might just be simple as, I don't know, reclaiming the word maybe, you know, but, but even in the reclaiming of the word, because it's really not our word, um, we deny ethnicity. We deny family. We, we, we deny lineage. Being able to say, I'm Yoruba, I'm Hausa, I'm Igbo, I'm Fon, I'm Ewe, you know, just, just has a melody to it and a harmony to it that just, you know, erasing culture and lineage um, would just damage, you know, further damage for, for generations to come. So I tend to run on. You know I do. So, no, you're absolutely fine. Let me check the chat, and you come on in and give your greetings and citations, beloved. Divine family listening, even Baba Loye, you uh, should be here shortly. Um, everyone in the chat, listening, watching, it is truly indeed a blessing to be here. I hope everyone has been having a uh, blessed day, and it continues to be so. I want to honor my Luo, Prince Baba, at the Bayo Latona, and Olavi, Ifatoyen, Iyalote, Ekdemike, Oyebola Latona. And I definitely look forward to this conversation today. Um, this is certainly um, going to be a, a good topic to have. Um, the name of the video, um, Devon, you said that you watched, what was the name of it again? Uh, give me a second. I'm going to do this. I'm the gonna... first one. Uh, the one about uh, witches? Yes. Yeah, give me a second. I'm going to do a little bit better than that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's called, um, can you see it? It's a little small. Um, well, I'm going to read out the, the title, but I mean, you can see the video. Um, it's called yes. African Spirituality, Understanding Witches and, I'm sorry, African Spirituality, colon, Understanding Witchcraft and Witches featuring uh, Baba Yuba. And this is Baba Yuba. And you know, okay. I, I kind of found it randomly. YouTube probably suggested it as all the social you know, media sites tend to suggest you know, content to you that they believe you might be interested in. And and I watched it. I watched it twice. I don't air anything um, during that two hours before I come on. For those who don't know, sometimes I'm on at 10, sometimes I'm on at 11, but I run videos, typically documentaries um, during that time. Sometimes music videos, but they have to have content to them um, that's relevant, <laughs> you know, uh, to the spirit of the day or, or, or to the topic. 
And so, yeah, I found it very interesting. Greetings and salutations to everyone I have not acknowledged personally and individually. Um, thank you, Connie, Ty- Tyler Harris. Greetings, Chef Bougie, Craig Burns, uh, Lateria Daniels, of course, Nina Lloyd, Shamafia Rothschild, um, J.P. Terrell. Greetings, greetings, uh, of course, Troy Banks, Dr. So Jua, who understands exactly uh, what language I was speaking in that in that New Orleans vernacular, um, and everyone, uh, Ashley Allen, thank you so much for being um, um, present. Now, of course, I forgot what I was supposed to be responding to. Um, uh, help me out. Um, you were speaking to um, the documentary, the documentary that you watched and how you showed some things before you start the show. Yeah, before I start the show, and so... I always watch the the video before I air it, obviously, and then I air it. So, I, so typically, what I share during those out that hour, the two hours, um, is something I've already looked at, I've already vetted, um, and it's got some kind of message in it. I want people to sort of grasp. I like hearing things that I've said again, and it's on the book. It's it's well documented. Now I'm being sort of repeated in, in the community. I appreciate my fans. I really do. Um, my fans check every I, cross every T, check for punctuation. You know, they, they check out my visage. You know, so I, I really appreciate my, my fans because they really keep me on point, you know, in terms of what I'm sharing, um, the depth of the material that I'm sharing, the uh, usability of the information that I'm sharing in a, in a real-world present kind of way. So I'm beginning to hear that now. Um, I'm not quite sure yet if it's an evolution in some uh, West African uh, religious cultures, uh, sort of a, a realization that they need us and we need them, um, or, or if it's indeed just, you know, the reality that there's an economic uh, network connected now to Orisha and 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 witches and witchery, you know, and, and that also could be, you know, at work. So I bet the video, I watched the video. Um, again, I liked the video a lot. There were many things he said that I felt confirmed things that I had been saying, you know, uh, for some time. Um, and the idea that you know, we are all born gods, born goddesses, born empowered beings. is something that can't be overstated. The idea that we create and recreate our reality, literally from before the womb. We like to say from the womb. We like to say from the cradle, you know, to, to the whatever, you know. But literally even before the womb, um, there have been scientific studies done on you know, what mom and daddy eat, what they drink, uh, how they live, you know, preconception. You know, scientists like to dig into that kind of, you know, nosy business. You know, and so they determine, you know, how much smoking affects the fetus pre-pregnancy, how much, you know, exercise and, and, and healthy diet affects the fetus in the womb even before a woman, you know, is pregnant. So we know, you know, that you know, that fire, that spirit, that soul is already being prepared for an existence, you know, on this planet, 
um, to, to become a god, to, to become a goddess. And so, I, yes, would I love to see a day when we would say which in our community and it would absolutely represent our community, that I would love to see. And so when I say ethnicity, when I say Igbo, Hausa, Ga, Fon, Ewe, I'm talking about family, you know, and, and lineages. There are many things that are associated with witchcraft that are not from our system, that, that are not from our plane of, of understanding, um, that are not from our indigenous roots. So the language for me is problematic. And, and the sort of blind uh, trend following to, to a, a symbol, an idea, a, a notion. And then everybody sort of puts their, you know, their own sort of slant, spin, you know. Absolutely. Um, now, and I wanted to tie something together. You're, the, the topic, repeat the topic of the conversation today because I wanted to show you, I wanted to, uh, make a point with something for everyone watching and listening. Vice TV, the video that I'm, I've been referencing is uh, Vice TV suggests black women have found a new path in witchcraft. Okay. Firstly, um, we must understand, as you have already said, that word witch, we have to understand the connotation in which it was created and that which it was referring there are a lot of different avenues. That word is a broad spectrum of a, that, that they are using to try to describe and put the label on a whole spectrum of things, okay? Um, and in essence, as far as some lineages in, in Yoruba and even in the Akan tradition, witches are not something to aspire to in the essence of things that they have been known for um, in the Akan tradition, things, uh, stories and things uh, have surfaced of them actually performing dark work that involves uh, sacrifices, namely children, harming children, all things of that nature. Um, even over to the Yoruba side, in Ifa, they may have, you know, different references and they can mean different things. And there are different levels to what someone would say, which, you know, because there's good and bad in everything. So I would first caution that any sisters out there that's watching, that's listening, um, be mindful of words and what you allow yourself and what you classify yourself as. And it's not so much as a, as a return, as of a as in as much I should say, rather as a rediscovery, a reconnection of who we naturally are. Because when we look at History, when we look at things past, you can see a lot of the times when you look at things that in essence have something to do with what they call divine, whether it's God, the divine, or what have you, there is woman there. So we already know that whether it's accepted or not, that women are in essence that connection to the divine, that which we are. Um, we also must take into account, as you said before, um, and being in, in heaven and, and before we come to live this life, even uh, for those who, who, who are followers study the Bible, it says uh, in one of the verses that God says, you know, I knew you before you were formed in your womb. Meaning there was a connection before here, before birth, before pregnancy, there was a connection. That means there was an agreement. There was a conversation. There was a 
And I got that point. I must be speaking to Omarie because there are a lot of things we can put together as far as women and what we connect to, our connection to the Most High, because it is a special one. It is a special one. It's a lot of the things that women need to understand about themselves first. This is why self-love is important. This is why it is important to go back to what you um, speak on divine all the time, to connect with your roots, to do that DNA test, because it's better to get that foundation of where you come from, that when you have your own power to stand in. On the flip side, in doing that, also remembering not to throw away your foundation, not to throw away your base. Remember where you came from. Yes, I am connected, and I and I follow and worship an Ifa, and I am initiated to Ifa and some other things. However, I grew up in church with my mother, so that's my base, and I don't care what I follow. My connection to God started there, so I'm not going to go, oh, I'm doing this now and throw that out. Because that's the power that you stand on. That's where you come from. That's your life, your experiences. And I'm learning and have learned that as you pull on that and stand in who you are, it doesn't matter what you know because learning is lifelong. As long as you stand in what you are, examine your character, examine where you are in your life and the changes that you want to make. Stand in what you know and move forward in that. And as you learn, as you grow, it's not about how much you know. It's about being willing to stand in what you have and to be willing to be open and receive the grace that you would hope to also filter out to others. So be easy on yourself. Learning is lifelong. Understand that as we as women reconnect to who we are, everybody's journey is different. Every person doesn't have to do it your way. Your connection is divine. It's yours. It belongs to you. It is beautiful to have people beside you to, to witness your journey as you witness yours, but stand in yours because it is yours. And your purpose is your own, and it's beautiful no matter what it is. So it's not about returning or rediscovering. It's about connecting. It is about rediscovering, but it's about connecting to who we originally are and being willing to stand in that and not allow people to say, which this, which that, this is what you are. No, you say what you are, and you stand in that. And you don't let nobody tell you otherwise. Yeah. And be willing to be honest. Honest. You know, not not necessarily with me, but with yourself. With the yes, self-reflection. You better be really willing to be honest. Um, you know, people like to, to suggest they're on a um, self-discovery, a independent path. Um, they're not necessarily choosing, you know, one religion over another, you know, one culture, or, you know, over another. And, and again, in my opinion, that. Um, sort of excludes out ethnicity. And, and, and therein lies the problem. Um, the power is passed down through the mother, through the great mother, through the womb, to the sons and the daughters. And then it continues on, you know, generationally. And, and, and we have had such trauma, you know, sometimes self-inflicted, other times inflicted upon us, you know, in the last four or 500 years that um, that process, that, that opportunity to heal, that opportunity to exhale, you know, really has not presented itself. So we have to create an opportunity, you know, to exhale. And so how we use this power, um, some call it Oso, some call it Iyami, uh, some call it the craft, you know, call it what, what you will, how we use this power has to be done from a perspective 
from a place of honesty. First, self-reflection and self-honesty about where our weaknesses are, what, what we need to, to expand on, where we need to, to grow, uh, where, where we might need to temper it down just a little bit, you know, and, and, and allow ourselves to be a part of the experience so that we open ourselves up to greater forms, you know, of magic. We could run an array of words, magic, miraculous, miracle, supernatural, you know, extraterrestrial. We could run a whole gamut of words, you know, that could be interchangeable with witchcraft. And and still at the root of it is meaning, is intent. Uh, something that the, uh, uh, the brothers, the Baba, mentioned in the video that I also, you know, really took favor to uh, – was the idea that, you know, if your mother curse you, you indeed curse. If your wife curse you, you indeed curse. And from a righteous position, let me be clear, from a righteous position, clean hands, clean soul, clean spirit, clean heart, you, you indeed are cursed. Uh, but at the same time, if our mothers, and our great mothers and our women are not allowed to sort of do that healing, that PTSD healing, that post-traumatic slave disorder healing, that, that abusive relationship healing, that, that molestation, rape, violence, brutality. That's even before we get to the outside world. You know, if, if we don't begin to create spaces that allow for that healing to happen, again, the babies are you know, marinating in, in, in the amniotic fluid and the energy and the spirit, you know, of the mother. And so this power that we sometimes call witchcraft is, is indeed and has traditionally been identified as passing down through the mothers, but, but both men and women possess it when you're operating cleanly, righteously, openly, doing your work, um, Another concept that came up was you must encounter the darkness to even begin to address the light. Um, creation began, so to speak, in, in darkness. And then from that, spew light and light, you know, and, and indeed all of creation. So, you know, as children, we, we, we break things, we make mistakes, we say naughty words. You know, we go through the process of, of learning, you know, sort of the rules and the protocols of, of, of the first the mother, the father, and then the house, and, and then the village, you know, et cetera. And there are too many components to that process that are missing, that are artificial, that are just absent altogether in our development as human beings, as, as whole human beings in Western Society. Much of the work that many of us in this, this classroom, uh, particularly those of us who are 40 and over, I'll say, um, would have loved to have encountered, you know, in our youth, in, in a safe space, in a creative space. And I was one of those children who was not only um, Iyana Van Zandt, I'm referencing one of her episodes, not only was I suspended and expelled from kindergarten, let that marinate from kindergarten, okay? 
I was suspended and expelled from kindergarten, but I was also one of the children that they would have tried to label ADHD, many of the other words that have now, you know, manifest. Because the ADHD and, and, and many of those words weren't even referenced in the black school in 1960 and 1970. You know, you were either an exemplary child or you were problematic or, or, or you were average. You know, and, and, and we've gone through generations of the sliding scale, teaching on the sliding scale. Uh, we've gone through generations now of, of high testing um, focus, you know, where the focus is all on testing, testing, making sure these kids pass tests, and all that time in between is not being filled with, you know, good, healthy soil for the development of ATR. Because if I'm not clear, I'm going to say it now. ATR is our salvation. I know that's controversial, you know, particularly to the salvation-based religions, but ATR is our salvation. Our ancestors are our front line of defense. And recapturing something that still exists in our blood, because we go through all the list of things that we want to recapture, land, property, artworks, stolen sculptures, you know, throughout the world that, that come out of Benin and other great places. But, but recapturing what's in our blood, you know, is really ground zero. It's really ground zero. And then keeping that, that soil fertile enough that generations of crops grow from that ground, from that foundation. So ATR um, is our salvation. I would also like to maybe possibly suggest um, to also consider that um, what we also would need is a basic understanding that it, it's no longer, we cannot have the, the mindset of my God is right, your God is wrong. We have to get it in our minds that the warfare that we are experiencing, see, firstly, I get that it's one step at a time, but we have to understand that the attack is not from one side. We have things that are being altered in our, it's not just the spiritual system, it's the electronics, it's in our food, it's in the water, it's in the air. So we have to learn how to think on the terms of protection from all sides. This is why it's important that everybody understand that they have a role to play, that they have something to contribute. Because we need warriors, we need herbalists, we need healers, we need chefs, we need uh, singers, we need dancers, all of that. Exactly, we need plumbers. all of those things. We need, you know, warfare plans. We need all of that. We need generals. We need strategic planners. We need doctors. We need scientists. We need all of that to be able to sustain because the attack is not coming from one side. Therefore, our defense cannot be one-sided. And a lot of the times when you're looking at spiritual attacks, you have to understand that your defense, your strength of defense is going to be according to the strength of your faith. How willing are you to die deep? Are you willing to get just as spiritual as it looks pretty on TV? Or are you willing to do the work actually dive deep, stand in front of that mirror and acknowledge your mess, your life, your skeletons, them bones while you shaking them up? Because before you can look to fix anybody, help anybody, love anybody, encourage anybody, inspire anybody, you've got to be determined to put that work in to start it within yourself. Because until you have it to start within yourself, you don't have it for nobody else. 
I'm not nobody else, not your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your children, your mama, your daddy, your cousin, nobody. You won't have it to give because you didn't do it within yourself. And you cannot expect it from others when you're not willing to put your foot down and do the work. Will it be ugly? Hell yeah. Will it hurt? Yeah, probably. But the truth is what it is. And sometimes, sometimes the truth sucks, but you have to be willing to stand in your mess and go, you know what, this is what it is, but this is not what it is going to be. The work has to start from the end. And sisters, we have got to get out of that mindset where people can't tell us nothing. We won't go nowhere if we're not willing to listen. How can you lead if you are never willing to follow? So I challenge you, sisters, look within. Understand. Get an understanding of who you are. Start looking for who you are. I guarantee you she's there. She's waiting and ready to get the work, but you got to be willing. And sometimes it's going to be ugly, and sometimes it's going to hurt. But you got to be willing to stand. It's an IDNA to stand. That's all black women know how to do. So don't say you don't know how. You may not know the steps. You may not know exactly how it's going to go, but it's the intent. It's the willingness to put that first forward. And I promise you, other things will be laid in your path for you to do the work. Gentlemen as well. Same thing works. It's not that I want to exclude my kings out there, but understand I'm a woman first, so I'm going to definitely speak to that. But the same goes for anybody that's looking to dive deep. It has to start from within yourself first. And that means you've got to be willing to go all in, not do what feels good and looks good. Don't go, don't go the Willie Yonko route. Go all the way. And that's what you have to be willing to do. And so you do that, you're going to, you're going to stay in that cycle that you're so desperate to so-called get out of. Yeah, I'm often confronted with the question of nation building. You know, um, I'm often, thank you, beloved. I'm often confronted with the question of nation building. And indeed, there's, you know, without all the various um, divisions of labor, without all the, the various moving parts that maintain a nation, um, you know, we would only be headed to self-destruction and then have to rebuild from, from, from the rubble. And let's say we are headed for self-destruction and have to rebuild from the rubble. Then we're going to need, you know, construction workers and people skilled in, in math, people skilled in, in rebuilding and repairing and reshaping, you know, sort of a nation. I think nation and, and even nation building are, are in those inter, intra-dimensional spaces that I often like to talk about. It's a word that we accept. Indeed, it's a word that we acknowledge, you know, and respect, especially when you need it. It's, it's real good to talk smack here on, on, on fertile ground, but get caught off somewhere in the Middle East or in, in South America or, you know, in some dangerous territory in the middle of a civil war, you indeed going to hold up your nationality and your passport and, and you're going to want this quote-unquote nation to come and get you. So the idea of nation, what I'm suggesting, is elusive. It's, it's an idea that we choose to accept, we choose to respect, we, we choose to honor. So even within quote-unquote nation building, we see other communities who are indeed building nations. Have you ever been to Los Angeles? <laughs> Have you ever seen the, the Asian communities, you know, and their banks and their communities, 
you know, of wealth in, in Los Angeles? Have you ever been to Chinatown, you know, in, in New York City or, or D.C.? You know, and, and there are other communities that we could, um, including Africans, the Ethiopians, you know, that we could talk about who have come, who have created fertile soil for self-building, which encompasses their family, which can then be considered a form of nation building if there's a shared mindset. And, and we're quick to say other communities come together better than we do. I don't agree, but people like to say that. We're quick to say other communities, you know, can hold on to their resources a, a great deal better than we can. I don't agree, but there are many people who are quick, you know, to say that. I've seen otherwise, which is why I don't agree. I've seen real nation building behind the scenes, behind the camera, at the, at the grassroots level, at the street level, you know, at carrying somebody to get food, carrying, carrying somebody to get housing, gathering up resources, you know, you know, for, for a family, you know, or for a group of, of young people, you know, in, in the community, hosting events for. I've seen real nation building at the grassroots level. And so that's why I no longer believe those little limericks that we say, which are a form of a spell within themselves, which are a form of a mantra within themselves. Every time we say, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, you are reinforcing, you know, a lack of mastery that all of us inhabit in many different genres. I often say, do everything and do everything well. You are a god. You are a goddess. Indeed, at our best selves, we're all practitioners. We all are healers. We are all diviners at the core of who we really are as a God, as a spirit. But just be honest about the process. Just just acknowledge the process. Um, and so I was grateful to see sort of an evolution in the conversation in that regard, um, coming from the, from the Baba, representing, you know, to some degree, West Africa, um, and, and I so strongly support us, you know, creating practitioners, not just, you know, continuing the support of the Botanica and continuing the support of the 800 numbers and continuing the support of, you know, the Psychic Network site, you know, which 98% of the time are slanted against us. I'm a living witness. Many of you know that I've been there, done that. Live person, Kasamba, uh, Keen, Psychic World, you know, I've done many of them. Um, some I rejected, like, right out of, out of the gate um, because they're not in support of maintaining culture, maintaining ethnicity. And if those words make you feel uncomfortable, family, they're not in line with supporting family. They're not in line with supporting community. Um, they're, they're in, in line with the sort of uh, diversity that diffuses what would otherwise be our main sources to many of our resources. And, and in this season of acknowledging and commemorating um, Tulsa, you know, Oklahoma, which, which is an act of witchcraft, you know, within itself, um, let us read 
re-recognize, let us re-acknowledge those ancestors, those spirits that speak through the ground, through entrepreneurship, through, through using our witchcraft to fight politics, to using our witchcraft to defeat the senseless, endless murders that are going on in many of our cities across America right now in, in this sort of pandemic, you know, haze that, that we're still, you know, existing in. Let's commit to using our powers to make real changes, bigger changes, more effective changes, and, and not just that which gratifies the ego and, and gratifies the flesh and, and satisfies some sense of need in the moment. To the parallel peril with, you know, the philosophy of I am a God is when I step into my flesh and sort of isolate my God consciousness from my animal nature and then do things that are out of alignment with who we are, really, and do things that ultimately create roadblocks for myself moving forward. That's the ultimate danger. And I appreciate uh, J.P. Tarot, um, who's had a lot of experience um, in many of the traditions that, you know, many of us are talking about today. Uh, if I can read your comment again, um, he was deeply involved in, in witch pagan communities for years, but as he grew in ATR, he understood, or the more he saw the witch community didn't reflect issues that reflect me uh, as a person of color. Um, and I absolutely agree with that. And, and to some degree, I would even add, um, for me, person of color with the alphabets behind it, <laughs> LGBTQ, uh, many people in our community see that as a white thing, as a Western thing. And, and indeed, they operate in that way within the community. So, so when we sort of get lumped in with the alphabet, then it allows people to sort of isolate us as either a threat or a weakness to the promotion of, of, of black community. And we know that, that historically that's an illusion. Often we are on the front line. Look at, look at some of your most prominent marches. Look at some of your most prominent historic events. Often we are on the front line. And so there's a, a, you know, sort of a, a, a melding together in, in which pagan community that erases tradition, that erases ethnicity, that erases legacy, lineage, to some degree even history. Uh, some of the fears that, um, that um, we're having right now about you know, sort of the mayor and, and, and the city council sort of allowing this steal of what's left of Treme to happen. It's, it's not just about the physical land that is Congo Square. It's not just about the physical land that is, you know, Treme, um, though it is indeed about that, but, but more importantly about the history, the culture, the tradition, the food, the music, many of the nuances that are now seen as quote-unquote American, much like we see jazz as quote-unquote an American phenomenon. And it, and it gives people an opportunity, an out, 
speak or not speak about race, about ethnicity, about truth when it comes down to where many of these, these cultural nuances that we now accept as Americans, you know, have their roots. We play with your food. We play with your music. <laughs> we play with your spiritual houses. <laughs> you know, we play with your fashion, you know, and, and, and for our younger generation, understand that, you know, New Orleans was one of the original port cities of America when there were no highways, when there were no roads. And, and still, a great deal of your product, you know, almost 90% of your coffee comes into America through New Orleans, through the port of New Orleans. You can cross over to the West Bank and smell. Am I right, uh, Dark Soul Jewel? You can cross over to the West Bank and smell folks of coffee in, in certain neighborhoods, <laughs> you know. And if you're a coffee drinker, yeah, it's very uh, delightful. <laughs> if you're a coffee drinker. You know, you like the smell, you know, of coffee. But, you know, these cultural nuances get appropriated, get syncretized. Uh, language gets lost. Meaning behind language gets lost. Reasoning behind why we do certain things gets, gets lost in the process. And, and so now we have this dichotomy of witchcraft, because really in the Western mind, it's all witchcraft. Let's be clear. Ifa, whether you Ifa, whether you you Paulo, whether your pot is is bloody or not bloody, in the Western mind, it's all witchcraft. You know, even in West Africa, even even amongst Nigerians and and, and Cameroon and Ghanaians, and because the dominant religious religions are now Islam, Christianity what I consider a wicked form of evangelical Christianity, you know, and, and other disempowering religious systems. Because at the end of the day, they're seeking to disempower us, limit the power, uh, uh, mark or accuse anything that might even look outside their realm of control and power as New Age, as witchcraft, as odd, as ungodly, you know, and the, and the list of accolades that they would label us with, you know, is lengthy. So if we don't change not just the words and how we use the words, but show this demonstration in our daily lives, that's one of the reasons I do this podcast. I want people to see us living this as a part of our, our waking reality. This, this isn't something we step in and out of on Friday or Saturday or Sunday, whenever your holy day might be. We might change up the color, you know, we might wear a little bit more white on some days than others, you know, but it's a lifestyle, which is why we resist words like religion. Now, now I'm not comfortable with resisting organized religion because there is order to this. This is not chaotic. Uh, again, Cousin Oloye, before you came on, we talked about just the dirtiness of having to explain our traditions through Western language, English, Portuguese, Spanish, you know. So in, in determining how we address uh, witchcraft, I'm sure you've seen the subject matter at this point. You may have even seen the video by now. I, I don't know. 
but we're still talking about, um, well, we're talking about two videos. We're talking about a program that I saw on Vice TV entitled, uh, Vice TV suggests black women have found a new path in witchcraft. And I did watch the show. Um, I, I told the audience I wouldn't say a whole lot about the details of the show because I wanted to give people um, an opportunity to watch it because it's still airing if they want to. But um, it talked about everything, everything from, from ATR to tarot card reading um, to some other stuff, you know. Um, and so that's why I chose that sort of as a subject matter, you know, sort of as a topic. And in my research before coming on, I found a video on YouTube called African Spirituality, Understanding Witchcraft and Witches. It was uh, supposed to reportedly streamed live on January 6, 2021. And uh, again, I liked the video. Um, there were many things that this uh, Nigerian brother were expressing that were things that I've been saying, you know, for the last 12 years, you know, online, just with an accent and, and a little bit differently, um, and of course a little bit younger. So I, I'm I'm grateful that people are beginning to get the message, not just here but also in West Africa, that we've got to begin to make a, a, a clear distinction, not just between what which is or is not, or, or how we walk in, utilize, stand in that word, but also our various lineages, our various practices. And and so welcome to the conversation. I know you are always busy. Um, I say in ministry, I don't know how comfortable you are with that word. I think everything that we do really is, is, is a form of, of, of ministry. So I know you always got something on your plate. But I'm grateful that you um, showed up with the greetings. Greetings. Uh, she said to everyone, uh, greetings, Amafia, peace, every, whatever way we, we greet each other, we, I greet you in that way. Um, and, and listening to what you were just sharing with me about today's topic, I do remember seeing an article about that as well. Um, and so I believe it's, it, it, it's all about the perception of what people are, are seeing, what they have been told, and just what has been told to them over the years about what is evil, what is devil, what is this, what is that. It is my particular perspective about our tradition that every day that we are seen, every, every step that we take, every word that we say, every breath that we take, it is the representation of our traditional spirituality. If we are walking in alignment with spirit and we are walking in alignment with good, it is that which everybody then sees and it is their first representation of whatever tradition it is that we're doing, Ifa, Fa, Afa, Wudu, Louisiana, Wudu, it doesn't really matter. 
because already in their mind, they might have a different reality than now what they see as they speak to us, as they have time to spend with us. And then in that, the possibility comes that they might change their thought pattern of just what they expect out of somebody who is an Ifa priest, a Wudu priest, whatever. There is bad and good in every single spiritual tradition, in every single uh, uh, realm of life. And so it's incumbent on us who are trying to do things in a good way to try to leave a good foundation for people to come in generations now to come there after us, to see Ifa, to see Fa, to see Afa, Budin, in a good light, in a good way, that we are now re, uh, regrouping ourselves to go back to connection with ancestors, with our forefathers, mm-hmm. with, with generations that have studied and done this tradition. Every day in my prayer, I ask that those ancestors who are in our lineage that were these these elder priests to please come and be part of our life and guide us and support us and lift us with the wisdom and knowledge that we might be missing now so that we have the opportunity to now be in alignment with who they were as well. So it's all, I believe, in how we go about our view of the tradition and our practice and what it is that we're willing to sacrifice within ourselves and now what it is that we're ready to leave for the generations in our bloodline to come thereafter. I I look at us three. I look at us three. We, 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 We got together within the last year and three chiefs within African traditional spirituality. That tells me that our family, bloodline, from the generations past, were indeed, we are returning to who they were and returning to now being the leaders in this tradition in our particular, in our particular line, and now bringing things back into, a, into divine order now within all of us. So, you know, it's all the perception of how we operate within the tradition, I believe. It's my perspective yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. Because, be, you know... You're on, uh, on mute. Um, yeah, because, you know, it's all witchcraft at the end of the day. You know, what the preacher does, what the bishop does, you know, what the priest does, you know, what the nuns do. It's all witchcraft at the end of the day, if, if we break it down to its rudimentary components. First, earth, water, fire, air, and, and how we utilize those things in ritual, in practice, in tradition to create sacred space, to purify sacred space, to open up portals, to open up doorways, to invite in particular powers, you know, into our reality, into our existence. Then, of course, there are those rituals, you know, fire baptism, depending on your denomination, water baptism, 
you know, um, and then the active uh, physical components to to religion, like Islam, for instance, you know, which has a, a rhythm to it, a count to it, a certain number of motions, a certain number of positioning, you know, all forms of, of invoking spirit, invoking magic, activating magic. But, but the problem with these religions are their desire to sort of control if not damper that God presence in the individual. There's one leader and everyone sort of follows the one leader as opposed to creating, you know, a community of healers, of practitioners, you know, of, of administers, you know, of, of true spirit practice that, that can then grow our community at, at a much more uh, accelerated rate. Some might call that act of witchcraft in the in the environment that we that we live and we exist in. So how we use words and particularly their words um, really has an effect on how we interpret what things are, and especially for the new person coming out of you know Western culture seeking you know some foundation in, in African traditional religious systems. And real quick before I pass the mic, um, it also sort of further supports my position that we have spirit houses, spiritual houses, uh, in various locations. All these abandoned churches, these churches now got three, four, five mortgages on them. You know, some are just sitting in our communities, just kind of rotting away, uh, could certainly become community centers spiritual centers, you know, where ethnicity doesn't necessarily matter because we all have ancestors. So we'd all come there, you know, to acknowledge the ancestors and to receive that healing. Um, Again, I know we're having a serious problem right now with um, gun violence, even knife violence. You know, some of you are aware of the system, Congo Square, the drummer, um, got carjacked. Um, and they do have identified someone, by the way. Um, they have identified someone. It's my understanding that they have not caught him yet. Uh, I don't have his name or the information in front of me. All I can remember is he's a 46-year-old uh, black male, um, and they're looking for him now, who stabbed uh, Portia to death in, in the act of stealing her car, carjacking her car. So... Um, We've got to be able to use, you know, this magic, this witchcraft, if, you, if you're comfortable with that word, in a way that makes much more um, sense, that makes much more um, aggressive action to counterbalance, you know, the, the oppressive conditions that we all are existing under. And build a community, even in the midst of this community. Um, Oluye, before you came when we also briefly talked about nation building, uh, and I presented the idea that even the word nation is sort of an inter-intradimensional word. We choose to respect the word, acknowledge the word. Indeed, if you're in a hostage scenario in another country, you're going to want the U.S. to come and rescue you. I know I would. Um, but 
at the same time, many people often approach me, and maybe you all as well, about nation building and the idea of nation building. And so I'm suggesting that that's an interdimensional space, uh, just like success. What does success mean to you? What does fruitfulness mean to you? And, and, and building a nation within a nation, I, I use as an example other ethnic cultural communities that seem mm-hmm. to come to America and create a Chinatown in the middle of America, you know, create Africa town in the middle of America, you know, and, and, and we get the illusion of some sense of unity and coming together among those people that somehow we don't have. And, mm-hmm. and personally, I don't, I don't agree with that because I, I know more than just the three of us, but I know many others who are actively doing nation building right now. Uh, it's just not popularized in social media. So I think in some of that, in some of that, for some people, there's still the challenge of the past. I think for some, we understand that the black man and woman have economic power here in America, that if we chose to take a stand in that fashion, we could actually shut down this country. But I also believe that in some people, they're still, whether subliminally or overtly, the challenge of our past and what has happened when we have built certain areas to be, right? Part of it as well, when I look back to the 70s, I look back to a to the 60s and 70s, and I look at exactly what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad had done, peace be upon him. He set the standard of these these, uh, neighborhoods again by having the the people in the nation had the the supermarkets, had the, the cleaners, had, you know, restaurants, had all of these different businesses that we could go to the support to live. Unfortunately, I don't see that as much today uh, with that, but, you know, it brings me to that the 70s, and I look back to the 40s and 50s and 30s when we had all of the, the, the black-owned towns and the, the, the neighborhoods that we built our, our, our economic power. Economic power for, for our people is... is absolutely essential. Economic power for our people says that we would have a level of strength and power that no matter what they try to do in Congress and what they try to do in the House and all that, they would then have to stand upon the fact that if they lose the support or whatever of our people, they wouldn't have to be able to stand. But unfortunately, Maybe we, you know, many of us don't see it in the same way, and so we don't understand the power that we have on the economic front. Our economic power is absolutely—it's absolutely boundless to what, yeah. from from my perspective. And many would suggest that that's exactly why they burned down um, Tulsa and 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 Greenwood and and wiped out the, the footprint of Meacham Park in, in Kirkwood, Missouri and many other black enclaves in America. It was absolutely a threat 
to the system long before the bus boycott. We're going back to the time of Tulsa. They knew the, the effectiveness of our power. Because, again, we were only buying with ourselves, selling among ourselves, trading among ourselves. And there were things that the white community needed. They often had to borrow money from many of those rich uh, Tulsa, you know, ancestors, you know, had to borrow money from us, you know, and, and still hated us. Um, I, I left Lakeithia, um I almost said your last name out loud. I don't want to say your last name out loud. Uh, I almost... <laughs> But I almost did. Uh, I left Lakeithia's um, comment up so, particularly so my co-host, so my audience can see it. We are related. Four people that you see on the screen right now is related by blood. <laughs> and I want to make that clear before I actually, you know, respond to her, her comment. Um, because her comment is rel- rel- relevant to what I just said. Um, she said mm-hmm. she agrees, but she's always questioning if this is deep down our family line, and why does she feel so connected to it, but her other siblings do not? And without, again, telling a whole lot of your business, um, she comes from a really big family, a really big family, and, and, and some of the children in that family have really big families. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a bigger portion of my family um, on my mm-hmm. father's side, uh, if you will. And mm-hmm. I like to describe it before I pass the mic. I like to describe it, Lakeithia, um, like diabetes. Diabetes can be in your family, can be in your bloodline. Uh, all four of my grandparents had diabetes, but it can skip a generation. Just like uh, uh, sickle cell. You might not necessarily get the sickle cell, but you might be a carrier and not ever show any symptoms unless you marry somebody else that, that, that is also a carrier. And then that develops into the full manifestation of a thing. Um, I don't know how well you are familiar with some of the stories, beloved Lakeithia, but some of the first stories I can remember, and I'm talking about age one, age two, age three, Within our family, and I won't say the family name that starts with a B, but you know what I'm talking about. Starts with a B. Um, the, the first conversation I can remember was about voodoo, was about hoodoo, was about root work. Ask um, your mother about Uncle Nisus. Ask her about Uncle Nisus. It was said that a hoodoo woman put something in his hat. He put the hat on, went out into the cotton fields, the sweat ran down, and the poison blinded him. And, and that story was around hoodoo, root work, conjure. It was even rumored from um, our Aunt Vera. We know her as Aunt Vicky. So ask your mom about Aunt Vicky, but we know her as Vera. Her real name was Vera. That's all she talked about when she came to visit us was hoodoo was hoodoo, was getting, working a conjure to, to turn her hair red, working a conjure to, to make her lose weight. A lot of her work had always had to do with her own vanity, um, which was kind of cute about her. But at the same time, she was one of the people in the family that always had root work on the tip of her tongue 
And then there were others around the family who wanted to hush her up, didn't want her talking about that. You know, so we've seen that generationally in, in our family specifically, but also in other indigenous and black families, this sort of tug of war between, you know, the indigenous, I'm going to call it a gene, the indigenous gene that maintains itself really forever in, in your bloodline from as far back as Neanderthal, you know, to, to whatever we might be, you know, in the next thousand years. But that, that footprint will forever be in your DNA. And then so some people are going to manifest certain hair color, certain eye color, certain spiritual gifts, certain talents, woodworking, music, math, and then other generations. And you have to consider the fathers also, you know, and then their bloodline, you know. And so it, it can be diffused to some degree. But I also, and this is going to be the end for me, and I'm going to pass the mic, but also I believe that we are chosen. I believe we are chosen. We, we were chosen even before we were born to come here and fulfill a gift, to fulfill a very specific spiritual gift. And many of us are on our journey of trying to figure out what that is and where did I come from and why am I here and what am I supposed to do while I'm here. And, and so I think I believe we are chosen, including you, Lakeithia, you might be new to this, but including you, we are chosen to represent the ancestors, to represent those who came before. And sometimes they come in anger. You know, they're not happy about some of the things that they're seeing. They're not happy about some of the things that have, have allowed to go on. You know, they're not happy that some of us are not, you know, progressing, you know, in a much more accelerated rate after all of their blood, sweat, and tears. And then other times they will come through just to acknowledge us <clears throat> and say, good job. We with you. We got your back. You know, we'll hold you up. So that's my initial response to that. You're free to reach out to me anytime you want to off air, and we can discuss this a little bit further. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's my position on, on why sometimes not everyone in the family seems to feel that spiritual connection. Um, okay. I believe it also comes to marriage too, right? So like I look in my case. In my case, uh, I didn't know who my father was or whatever, but it is because of my father's side that the three of us are together here on this stage, right? It's because of my father's side that I have found other practitioners of Ifa within our family. So my particular case would be just the, the father and, you know, my mom. I'm the only one of that bloodline. And on either side, they, they have, they have uh, ministry, pastors, this and that. But on my mom's side, I got all the Native Americans. And on my father's side, obviously, we got some connection back to the motherland and these traditions. So now, because of the blood interceding together, you have a certain level of uniqueness. Look at your family. Your family, you, your sister, your mom. Your mom is tremendously gifted 
and divine in her own journey. I don't have information on your sister, but I would believe your sister does too. And then look at you. Right? Wapani has written three books. Mm -hmm. She's very humble. She don't talk about it. She don't promote them. Often I'm promoting her books, but Wapani has written three books. Um, She lives out in the middle of nowhere in in, in Missouri. And and I mean that in the best way possible. I mean just nature. Just Mm -hmm. nature. No neighbors. Just nature. Um, And yeah, she is, you know, especially as we've gotten older, um, and even my mama, to some degree, might even agree with what I'm about to say. They both have become more like me. And I know generationally that sounds like out of place. You're supposed to be becoming more like the like your elders. But I got my freedom. I like to say I got my freedom first. I, I got away from the horrors that were going on in my household first. And not just because I ran away from home physically, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually at 14, 15, 16, I'm already now on the street and have to figure out many of the questions that some of us don't even have a chance to think about until we're 40. Some of y'all mm-hmm. start having families and children and responsibilities and you're just tired. <laughs> you just want to nap, <laughs> you know. And, but, but I had the opportunity not having any children at one point in my life, going from a place of having absolutely no family um, to now just being overwhelmed with family. Um, but I had an opportunity in that space to do my shadow work and to sort of address many of the things that now my mother and Wapani are, are, are now coming out of or stepping into, depending on where, where we are in the, in the level of things. And I'm seeing that also in my family. And, you know, as wicked as it is, I'm grateful for Facebook and social media because many of my relatives wouldn't know me without it, wouldn't mm-hmm. see me in this way without it. You know, in the old days, you had to either pick up the phone or you had to write a letter, you know, or you had to go and visit and have a sit down. You know, now we got all this technology that's going into archive, that's saving information, that, that's sharing our story, you know. And I've shared similar stories. My um, sister wife, Tony Val Martinez, some of y'all know her from Facebook. She's real popular for, for sharing radical black history and information. Um, mm-hmm. She grew up thinking she was an abused, abandoned, only child who then got adopted, you know, by, by, by the perfect set of parents, you know, older parents, you know, and became the woman she is today. I had to push her and push her and push her and push her Finally, she got the DNA done. She got 11 brothers and sisters, <clears throat> 10 of them living, <laughs> okay? And, oh, wow. you know, we ended up on the local news. WDSU News came out, and, and Tammy Eswick did a story on it, uh, another local friendly <clears throat> black witch, by the way. But she came out and did a story, and, um, yeah, I have it on my YouTube channel. So I believe in the power of DNA. Y'all can talk about conspiracies. Y'all can talk about, you know, alien technology and gene technology, all y'all want to, mutations, whatever. You know, we we will have to confront that at some point. I believe that. But right now, the value of what we can gather from the from the DNA cannot be overstated. 
and, and I'm staying together. Yeah, and, and I hope people can feel that. Not just see us, but feel the love, feel the family, feel the unity, see the, 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 the glee in our eye, you know, and that energy when we really talk about family. And, and that's why I'm so concerned about sacred spaces, mm-hmm. sacred traditions, bloodlines, lineages, things that are very important in, in New Orleans, very important in the state of Louisiana. This state is all about pedigree and brand and lineage and who your mama and them is and, and where you come from. And, and I'm sure... And, you know, like, in, in, just in the families, just in certain things that our families might do, keep alive some of the traditions of our ancestors and generations and generations past from the way that our elders might cook and what the ingredients that they use to how they might even deal with prayer and how they deal with everything else. So I, I do indeed believe that, that just by having time with our, our elders, just by having time with our elders, we learn a great deal of, of who we are. Yeah. Oh, Tudor, you better talk before you know we get in trouble because they they calling for you. Hey, I'm what? Yeah, you got you got a friend, right fan, <laughs> supporter. Oh, I'm talking. I just you know when when y'all are making points, I'm also listening. I'm sorry, family, to everybody watching and listening. It's not that I don't want to speak. I am also about listening, learning, and enjoying the points of others because. If you always want to talk and you're unwilling to listen, you can miss a blessing. And I'm telling you, I'm about snatching all mine, left, right, front, everywhere. I snatch wigs and everything. I want all my blessings, okay? So <laughs> I apologize, but I am here. I agree with everything that has been present that is being presented. I just think that the topic is so diverse and so deep, and it can be it can be discussed and approached from so many angles because we have a lot of work to do. It's not that we won't get there, but I absolutely see that we have a lot of work to do. And it becomes, before I could, I would say, before we could even really come together, we have to be willing, um, as we, as Divine has said before, as Father Loyer has said, and I have encouraged as well to have your DNA done, because if you want to know who you are, you, you can't look at where you're going if you don't know who you are. So you, I encourage you to have your DNA done. To, to pull on that because even though I was on my journey, I will say that me finally having a test done and connecting and and, and finding uh, Baba Oloye and then uh, Baba Oloye putting me in contact with Divine and discovering all of the connections and all of um, us being related. I mean, it's, I don't believe in coincidence. I long stopped believing in coincidence. And I feel, and I can even speak to that, I'm a witness, that when you are putting your best foot forward, when you are doing all you can to grow mentally, spiritually, physically, putting in the work internally, you will have the tools, you will have the people that you need. A lot of the times as you go on your journey, the people that you think are going to be there are not going to be there because sometimes the truth just is where God is taking you. Everybody can't go. Some people come into our life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime, as they say. Some people are only meant to teach us certain lessons. Sometimes we try to make permanent situations out of temporary people. Everybody isn't meant to stay. 
So I would say that be willing to have the test done, dive deep. Since I have been guided to my cousins, I can say that um, I give thanks for them. I thank God for my cousins, both of them, because they have helped me. Even in the short time that I have known them, they have helped to grow me and help me get to a point where I am comfortable in standing in who I am and knowing that what's for me is for me. And I've had encouragement before from my Ile, from Olori, but it, sometimes it takes that extra. And I just want to say that I love y'all and I appreciate y'all. And we got to be willing to dive deep, connect with our family. Um, just like um, Lakeithia said, sometimes in, 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 in connection to what she was saying, um, it's destiny. Me being left to Ephah after growing up with my mother, who was, a, who was a minister in the Baptist church, as well as my sister, who was an assistant pastor in the Baptist church, um, for me not to go that path, it was my father who didn't go to church at all who stood up for me in the reading and guided me to Ephah. And as I've done my DNA, I've discovered that a lot of my connections to Africa is a lot deeper than what I even thought. The directions and the, and the connections that I, I'm thinking and what we was told growing up were completely different in reality once DNA and certain things come back. So please do your DNA. Understand that your connections, your destiny is your own, and sometimes that's going to differ within your family. But as I have said before, everybody has purpose. Everybody has something to contribute. And maybe in that time space, each person was able to receive, was able to get what they were able to receive and actually digest what was comfortable for them, what resonates with them. And that is going to be different with, with each person. But that is not a weakness. That is a strength. We need to appreciate and understand the stand which everybody needs to take spiritually that is best for them and their families' lives. Because once we come together, we can begin, begin to see the similarities. Because when you look at all these different spiritual systems and religions, there are similarities. I mean, for storylines, characters, people in it, however you want to say the people involved, whatever you want to characterize it as, we have a lot more similarities than we do differences. We just have to remove Ego, pride, and emotion, and see things for what they are, and be open to accept that which may not be our way, but a different mindset, a different way of achieving a common goal. You know, when you think about it, too, to go back to something that Divine talked about, in each of our lines, in each of our, in each of our lineages, we come from people in ministry. Yeah. And so here we are. Now, we've changed the narrative to go back to traditional spirituality, but we've come from lines of ministry for generations past. So I believe that what we talk about as far as destiny and what Divine talked about, about possibly skipping generations, right? My older brothers, uncles, they did not go into anything inclusive of ministry, or even deep into spirituality. But now, skipping over to me, now going into ministry, but completely different than the ministry of our grandfather who was doing Christianity and was a very high up person, a, a bishop in the church of God. And then others in our lineage or in my lineage that uh, was in AME Zion Church. Some of the first people that were ministry, were ministers that brought from my, uh, from one side of my family coming from the, the islands, coming from Barbados to here, 
dealt with them, and, and when they got here was was into the church of uh, the Amy Zion Church, and it was very very well known because in that church you don't just stay at one church for many many years. You do it for like a maybe a two year period or a three year period, and then you're moving from church to church throughout the region that you are in. So, you know, I look at that and say, yes, I believe that there was a particular reason why we did not stay in Christianity, that we returned to the essence of what really made our, you know, brought our family to the stage. But now it's time to return. Sankofa, right? So it's time to return to that which we, we really, our family, our family line. Who is our family line? When we look at our positions, we have to have a particularly serious family line. I'm a bit wherever we came from. I'm a bit overwhelmed with family right now because we had Lakeithia. Now we have Chef Tink Beats, who is my nephew. That's Wapani's son. Okay. So, so oh, okay. Chef, Greetings, Mama Savage. And and my mom is also in the room. I just haven't had a chance to pull her copy. Nice. So, <laughs> Chef Take Beats, you you are related to all three of us now. On, on <laughs> hey, Kevin. Blessings, 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 blessings. Also, this is the black woman is God. I can't say that enough. The black woman is God. The black woman is God. Um, I've got to answer the door, so please, y'all, talk among yourselves. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about destiny. When we talk about destiny, I've also, I've shared with you guys many times that we, before we are born, we take our destiny, what we desire to accomplish, what we desire to manifest in this lifetime, to a little matter, with umila on one side, and many say that Eshu is on the other. So, however you believe that is all good, but the bottom line is, in our destiny, we have already chosen the path that we wish to go in coming here to this earth. Now, there's three lines to that destiny. One line is that we, that, that Arunamari blesses the destiny that we chose without change. Another way is that it's a combination of what we desire and what Alurumare says. We're going to add that to what you desire or what you want to accomplish. And then on the other side, it is the complete uh, uh, telling of, of Alurumare to the destiny that you're going to come here to fulfill. In that destiny, then it is the line of family that is that you are sent through. Some say or most say in our tradition, we're coming back through the same family somewhere in maybe even a different line, but we're coming back through the same bloodline. So destiny then says that we must be also our ancestors from all the way back to the beginning of our lines. And in who we are today, we then return to the greatness hopefully, of our ancestors and forefathers to complete the work that they have started so we don't know what work 
right now. We're here to complete. But we do know, and we're being obedient, that we are here to complete the work that our ancestors have desired for us to manifest. So when we look at this, although we might go different paths than Christian, uh, our Christian uh, uh, ancestors and elders, we are still walking in alignment with the light of God. And so walking in that alignment with the light of God then brings us into even closer relationship to do even stronger and better things for our family, to bring them also closer to God in their own way, whether they stay Christian, Muslim, or come into the tradition. It doesn't really matter. So, you know, just to kind of share from a different perspective of, you know, how destiny then manifests itself through the family line, and then how it then brings us to who we are and where we are today. Yes. <laughs> Lakeithia called my mama by her full first name, Von Sale. Mm-hmm. It's a family affair in here. I see uh, your sister, Pete from Tani. I see her in the chat. Everybody's here. And uh, Chef Kink is actually here, literally here in New Orleans right now from out of town. He's staying at an Airbnb just up the road. I was going to say, on your block? No. A street over, about a street over from my street, yeah. But he still managed to get on the podcast as opposed to coming and interrupting the podcast, which I respect him for greatly. Thank you kindly. Okay. Uh, greetings, uh, greetings, Lapani. A special greetings to the Queen Mother Savage and her son, Christopher, who is Chef Tink. Um, yeah, the family is all here right now. And Lakeithia, Lakeithia, um, I, I was going to say your last name, but since you don't have it up there, I'm not going to say it. But we know who you are. Yeah, it's a family affair for sure, y'all. <laughs> Almost unbelievable 15 years ago. Yes. No one could have envisioned this kind of mobility. And, and that's why I say people often waste, if, you know, you're paying an internet bill every month. You got a device, a computer, a laptop, whatever, you know, you work in. I mean, don't waste it, you know, with foolishness and games, you know, really do some homework, do some research, learn something new, gain gain a greater skill, gain a greater awareness of something. Reach out to people, you know, that you otherwise, you know, might not have the opportunity to knock on their door, you know, but do it from the safety, you know, of your Internet, of your Skype, your, your Zoom. You know, people are coming together now because of the pandemic. Um, in ways that we just couldn't imagine even two years ago. We couldn't have imagined, you know, the degree of mobility, you know, that we've, you know, gained uh, through digital technology. Uh, My mom does church online, you know, and I mean church. (laughs) Y'all know how evangelicals are. I mean, from from early prayer in the morning, okay, to that late dinner, 
you know, after dinner service, but she'd be doing it, you know, from her Zoom, you know. <clears throat> and so, again, uh, Oloye spoke to that vibration of ministry that has yes. transcended the bloodline. Let me be clear. This isn't shared experience. This ain't like we always knew each other and we kind of learned from each other. Now, me, my mama, Wapani kind of learned from each other but had our independent experience. But Otan has had our own independent life experience. Oye has had his own independent life experience, and it was the DNA that brought us together. And so all these commonalities and synchronicities and and similarities, um, forgive me, Mom, but it, it ain't nothing but the blood. <laughs> it ain't nothing but the blood, you know, and I'm grateful. Um, Lakeithia, we're going to work this out, beloved. Just reach out to me. You know, there's a reason. If you're being called, if you feel it, if it's in your spirit, it's in your dream, it's a reason for it. Um, and particularly in our family, it's a whole lot of healing to be done. And, and sometimes when we cannot do the healing, do the shadow work. And somebody uh, asked about that, doing a whole broadcast just about shadow work. Um, and, yes, I'm, I'm absolutely willing to do that. I can't remember who. Oh, it was Dark Soul Jewel, uh, my, my local New Orleans resident. Um, yes, yeah, she wants us to do a whole show about shadow work. And I think we should. Now, if I may, and I'm not being shady, every show we've done has been about shadow work. Really, every show. You know, when we talk about Ori, when we talk about the head, when we talk about La Bétette, uh, when, when Otan starts talking about living righteously and, and, and following the moral code and having some principles, you know, and some order, you know, um, that's shadow work, you know. Now, I will do a show, though, seriously, in all due respect, especially since you're a local New Orleanian. I love my local New Orleanians. Um, we're going to definitely do a show, uh, let's say Monday about shadow work specifically. Um, but don't be surprised if you hear again, okay, I knew your last name, um, Mims, but I didn't want to say it out loud unless you wanted to say it out loud. Yeah, Lakeithia is a mem, And I know her mama and her grandmama. And yeah, we family. This is family that I know I got, that I know know, like on the ground know. Now meeting my DNA family, which eventually I'm going to know. No, no, on the ground, <laughs> no. <laughs> New Orleans is calling, y'all. <laughs> Beautiful Airbnb close by. And the cheap plane tickets are they've been good. Only $20, good. <laughs> $20 each way. Yeah, just make sure you, you know, I don't want to sound all political, but get your vaccination on. Get your vaccination on and, and still wear your mask when you get on that plane and, and or in your car and travel. Well, not necessarily in your car, but if you're in public space, yeah. Mm-hmm. But y'all welcome to come on down. I mean, this is the season. Yeah, all the pieces come together, Dark Soul Jewel, to form a powerful force. And God will do it for a divine purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and and that gets lost in Western culture because we are taught, me, myself, and I, it's my journey, my destiny, my life, my power. I say at the beginning of the show, I and I create and recreate my reality. But when I say I and I in sort of that Rastafari way, I mean me and God, mm-hmm. me and you. We are I and I. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody that's got an eye is eye and eye. And so um, we do have that mystery around our individual journey. Why am I here? What am I to do? What am I to feel? Not being able to sort of see the forest, if you will, for the trees, because there is a much bigger picture. And so no one knew, you know, at the point of implosion, what their role was going to be in total. They were just in position. They they were just where they were to be at that moment in time space. And sometimes we say, okay, but people died and people suffered and, you know, families uh, legacies were lost, and indeed, and indeed, mm-hmm. and that's why I say all is a blessing, because sometimes we can't see what the blessing may be, might be, what's created, what, what's prevented, you know, in, in in any given scenario, but we know that each piece adds to the puzzle, and 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 the more pieces you have, the the more brilliant, you know, you can see sort of a vision. And having this many people, blood-related, that have not necessarily had life interactions, but have such strong similarities, such strong synchronicity, to me that speaks to the power of God and the power of ancestors and the power of a much bigger force at work, a much, a much bigger message at work than, than just us. All we have to do is what we're supposed to do. That's right. At any given moment. I need to make sure that we just are obedient. Obedient. You know, I, I remember in church they say it's better to obey than to make all kinds of sacrifices. So to be obedient to the calling, to be obedient to reaffirming your relationship with the divine, with the creator and the ancestors, will allow for you to move it so freely, so, so freely that, you know, when you see and you meet others, you'll start feeling their, their alignment along with you, you know? You'll, you'll start to, you'll see, even in ministry, we might all be doing different ministry, but because we're here in alignment, all of our ministries have gotten more powerful. All of our ministries can now rely on the whole thing of when two or more gather, because we always know that we can make a phone call and there's two or more that's going to gather and then add the ashe to what we need to do. So, you know, just to, to put it in a different context for some, by obeying the call, even when it's, it's, it's uneasy, even when it's uncomfortable, and even when you fully do not understand in the direction that God is sending you, obey. When others are, are ridiculing you and, and calling you out your name and everything under the sun, be obedient. Because at the end of the day, it is your obedience that's going to overcome the situation. Because in our in the verses here of of Ifa, many times it says, "A little mighty will tell you, you are to withstand everything, because it is to show that I, 
on the matter is above all. I am the one that will bring everything to its proper place. So therefore, be obedient. Follow your calling. To Cousin Lakitia, if that is your calling, if this is calling you, follow your calling. Take one step, right? When they say take one step to God and he'll take ten steps to you, so then take your one step towards whatever it is that you feel that you need to do, and the rest then will come to you. Ashe. That's all you got to <laughs> You, I mean, you done laid it out. That is, yeah, pretty much. And we, yeah, and we said, said a lot. Yeah, and we said a lot. You know, those who are actively, you know, participating in in African-based tradition systems, they they did get fed shamafia. There was food at the family reunion. It, it just wasn't that kind of food. It was that spiritual food, you know. And, and so they are fed. But I also uh, appreciate that the newcomer, the new listener, the person who is still sort of seeking can also make sense of what's being said and and grasp what's being said from where they are on their journey. You know, I always say it's always multi-layered. Sometimes you all are talking and and, and one part of my brain is hearing your words, but another part of my brain is hearing sort of this higher melody, you know, that's also coming out uh, of your very being, you know, which is a part of, you know, my, my personal wiring you know, as also um, being able to sort of focus on, on multiple things at once that would normally create confusion, being able to hear multiple frequencies, you know, at once. So um, it, it's powerful, again, to see the technology come together with the biology, come together with the spirit walk, come together with, you know, some of the the similarities in our background, you know, coming together to create this new thing, this new power, this new vision. Oh, I know I wanted to add, um, Lakeithia, uh, to what my cousin Oye just said, have a vision. <clears throat> that magical book also says that people perish without a vision. And so mm-hmm. sometimes we, you know, know it's not this, and we want to go a different direction, but we aren't clear you know, on, on where to lay our focus now, what, what our vision should be. You know, I, I say breathe, feel with your bosom, feel from your heart, feel with your emotions, take it all in, make sure you're, you're journaling, keep a journal, write down the details of some of your dreams, your visions, because indeed God is talking to you. Indeed, ancestors are talking to you. So you want to record that with a, with a degree of, of respect, reverence, and importance, because often it will be your, your proof. Often it will be the very proof that spirit spoke to you, you jotted it down, and then you saw it manifest, you know, at, at a later point, sometimes the later day, you know, in your, in your life, in your reality. Um, humility. And humility. Yeah. Yeah. Be humble. Mm-hmm. For me, humility meant, you know, 
and this was the actual prayer. I was probably, I don't know, 15, 16. Um, God, I can't believe my mama. I can't believe my dad. I can't believe the pastor. I can't believe this book. You know, how many versions of this book? Can't believe it. You know, and, and if it's anything to be believed, you got to show me. That was my prayer as a young person. You got to show me. Because I can't believe humanity. You can't pass it through a middle a middle person. You got to mm-hmm. demonstrate it, show it, make it real, make it visible for me. That happened. That began to happen. And every time I prayed that prayer, because I was quite desperate in my younger years, um, God kept pointing me back to myself. God mm-hmm. kept pointing me back to me. And so for me, that that journey was, you know, history lineage. Where did I come from? Where did our people come from? You know, what's really going on in Africa and the Middle East and the rest of the world, you know, for that matter? Um, According to Ancestry.com, my oldest and quite possibly you all oldest living, I'm sorry, oldest ancestor, DNA ancestor uh, was Southeast Asia. And so being humble, having a vision, and sometimes vision doesn't mean, you know, focusing on a specific mountain. Sometimes vision means, you know, dreaming in color, seeing beyond the veil, looking at more than what's, you know, possible sometimes. We we encourage that in our children to be imaginative, to, to be creative, you know, to draw play with paper mache and clay, you know, in some cases, well, I don't know kids play in the mud anymore, but they used to once upon a time. But somewhere that gets shut off, shut down, blocked, um, discredited among the quote-unquote, that's the wrong one, y'all, among the uh, adult population. And so, you know, the other thing, Cousin, is that what I'm finding in our in our bloodline as well, <clears throat> our ancestors are desiring for our our lines, our bloodlines, to reunify. I'm finding that in the family, there are so many different scenarios that have happened that people do not even understand or know the bloodline or from the original families or the family that that this thing, that that this seems to be stemming from. And so in that I found in meeting many cousins or talking to many cousins that our ancestors are now very tired of our family bloodline not being unified. And they're doing more and more and more through this. Uh, the the ancestry.com through us being able to communicate all of that to be bringing back our our family at least together, you know, and, and knowing of each other. And I find that that is a very significant thing going on in our family. I would agree. And, and just the fight over religion, you know, um, mm-hmm. That's my uh, 23 and me map. I know I'm. I was just about to ask you because I need to. I need to look at mine and. 
Yeah, that's my 23andMe and me map. So it, it goes back much further in time than Ancestry.com. And what you're looking at um, is sort of a world map of where my DNA, my genome would have been at any, at any point in time. And over here in this sliding box, it gives percentages. I'm particularly trying to highlight this region over here, which is where um, Southeast Asian, Indonesia, Thai, Khmer, <clears throat> Myanmar. Um, once upon a time, you would have heard names like Burma in that same, in this same region here, and those are my oldest, oldest DNA ancestors in terms of time. They've and that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that was after the land, the land, uh, the, the the land bridges. Correct. Some of the first places that we went from Africa, in the land when the land bridges were still in one piece, were down into the Philippines, into Indonesia, into Burma, into all those areas. So that makes perfect sense. Now they've changed the site a little bit, so I'm kind of boxing with it at the moment. Um, it does show your your Neanderthal count, how much Neanderthal you might have in your blood. And that's important because, again, when we go back to timing, your um, pre-human hominid, the one that they have tracked probably the most is Neanderthal. There are uh, two or three that would come behind Neanderthal, but but have not been quite popularized, categorized, and captured in the um, in the DNA results the way Neanderthal has. So you are, there, there are whole areas where there's nothing. Australia, this this part of of Eurasia, and even this upper region of of North Africa. Now you'll find that a little bit more detailed on the Ancestry.com site. So according to 23andMe, I'm 81 and a half percent Sub-Saharan African. Uh, that would be 33.4 percent Nigerian, 15.9 percent Ghanaian, Liberian, Sierra Leone. 8.1% Senegambian and Ghanaian, 13.4% uh, broadly West African. Then there's the Congolese, Southeast African, Angolian, uh, broadly Cong Congolese and Southeast Asian, and then what they call broadly Sub-Saharan African, which cannot necessarily be traced back to country or a specific ethnic group. 16.9% European, um, Northwestern European, British and Irish, and then East Asian and Indigenous American. Indigenous American is 0.9%, and that would be all of this region in the yellow. All of that would be Indigenous American. And then this orange area is the Southeast Asian segment. So th this is a 23andMe. If you've never seen it before, 
they've changed this around like in the last week. So once upon a time, I could scroll this page up, and at the bottom of the page, there was a timeline suggesting that my earliest ancestors came out of Southeast Asia, made their way to Africa, then Africa went back into that same region, and then subsequently went north, and then, of course, east. I know we've run out of time. I, I certainly appreciate everybody uh, being here and putting up with my little technical glitches. Of course, I appreciate my all my family that showed up today. Uh, it almost feel like a Black Fourth of July. Um, <laughs> and yes, Shamafia, we, we we had the, the the food, we had the uh, barbecue and the and the uh, potato salad and. Um, I like Jello salad. My mom makes this excellent Jello fruit salad. You know, yeah, we had all of that. It was just spiritual. Um, so before I pass the mic um, and let everybody sort of give their closing, I just want to look at this real quick. Um, this is Ancestry.com. In terms of timing, it's going to go back to a broadly 1700. It's not going to go back as far as 23 and I'm sorry. It's 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 not going to go yeah, it's not going to go back as far as 23 and me. And so it's sort of set up the same way except here we have Nigeria being 38% of the bloodline, Cameroon, Congo, Western Bantu people being 19%, Benin, Togo being 10. Abikos in Ghana being nine, Mali being seven, England, Northwestern Europe being six percent, Norway, four percent, Scotland, three percent, Senegal, two percent, and then here we go, indigenous American. Now, for me, I don't know about my other cousin's test, it has highlighted Mexico specifically. Because we say indigenous Americans, some people say that the indigenous people was African, some people say I say the indigenous people were black, but not African, um, and indeed could have also been uh, mixtures of other hominids to include Neanderthal, which were present in this part of the world long before Christopher Columbus, you know, little jacked up journey. So. This 1% uh, indigenous American here is highlighting Mexico specifically. And that includes some parts of the U.S. that we all know really originally were Mexico and Mexican regions. And then it has indigenous Eastern South Americans, specifically Brazil. Brazil, that yellow spot is Brazil. Now, once upon a time, Dominica was highlighted right here. Underneath Guadalupe, before St. Lucia and Barbados is Dominica. Once upon a time, that was highlighted on my chest. That has changed. So people often ask, you know, about changing tests. You know, what does that mean? Well, the more copies they get, the more copies they have to compare your DNA to. So your 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 test is really evolving and getting more and more 
specific. The more human test subjects they have and, and, and the more DNA they are able to extract scientifically. Um, they have what's called early Virginia African-American. I believe this to be my mother's side of the family. One of the original early Virginia African-Americans. Primarily this region here that you see on the map. Washington, D.C., Richmond, Hattiesburg, Lynchburg, Virginia. And to the right here you see a timeline. 1700, 1725, 1750, 1775. So if I push these, then it shows some evolution of where my DNA would have moved to within that time period. 23andMe don't do this. In this, in this uh, aspect, ancestry is a better test. In this aspect, particularly if you're concerned about the Middle Passage, slavery, pre-slavery, post-slavery, and, and if you can get both tests, I, I would, to be quite honest. So you can see some outgrowth here. We also know that over time they outlawed ships coming straight from Africa, and so pirating started taking place, and people were being kidnapped from the north and carried to the south, kidnapped from this upper southern region, because this is still a part of the south, the, the DMV, Maryland, D.C., Virginia area, and then would carry them south. That could also explain sort of this greater movement you see of bodies um, moving sort of westward. 725, still primarily the same area, but still some, some growth. Not much, but some growth beyond that region. 750, 1775. Now, this down here, Georgia, Carolinas, this is the Gullah Geechee area, if y'all can see that. It says Georgia here. So all these circles beyond that feed into what was once and still is considered Gullah Geechee region. Um, Queen Quest and them live on the sea islands. There are islands that are not visible on this map right off the coast here that they still live on inhabited. But, but our people have also inhabited this region. So we are also those who are connected to me through my mother's bloodline uh, and quite possibly my dad if we start looking at individual ancestors. This will be that Gullah Geechee uh, region. And I'm going to wrap this up because I know I'm going over my normal time frame here. But I do want to look at Mississippi and Louisiana because this is where Otan, Oloye, Lakeithia, where our roots really tie in. And so this is the overview from my map, my Mississippi, Louisiana, African-American DNA footprint, for lack of better words. Mississippi... That's Jackson, Mississippi. That's Meridian, Mississippi. That's Hattiesburg. This is Baton Rouge, Louisiana. This is the, uh, the state border. This is Lake Pontchartrain. Just beneath the uh, blue is Lake Pontchartrain, and New Orleans is, is on the southern side of Lake Pontchartrain. So you would have had enslaved ancestors who would have been sold out, rented, leased, who would have easily moved back and forth in and out of New Orleans into these into these rural areas. 
but these maps are uniquely designed just to trace the bloodline, the DNA footprint. 1775, you see a little bit more expansion northward. I see that around 1780 in my own family, um, moving sort of away from New Orleans, away from what later became Boogaloosa, Louisiana, which would be right about in here, and then moved towards closer to the Delta, which means closer to the Mississippi Riverland, uh, to what is now Yazoo City, Mississippi, Yazoo City. A lot of stories about witches and hauntings in Yazoo City. This is 17, I'm sorry, this is 1800. You see a little bit more Mississippi, a little further west into Louisiana. Uh, 1825, you're now seeing specific people. That's a face right there representing a specific ancestor in my family, in my tree, that they have a document about. Ancestry is also good for documents. Marriage, burial, military, cemetery documents. Uh, This is wartime, Civil War time, 1850. Uh, That's um, Louise, Mississippi, Lakeithia. That's probably a picture of um, uh, Monroe Broomfield. My great-grandfather's name was Monroe Broomfield, and that bubble is, is representing him. That's 1850. I, I got No, his bubble is here. My father's side is here, this, this bubble here. My mother's side is here. Forgive me for that. This is my mother's side footprint, and this is my father's side footprint in 1850. My grandmother, my mother's mother was from, I believe, Meridian, Mississippi, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, That's 1875. So that's representing two specific ancestors from my mother's side of the family. That's 1900. And that's 1925. And that's representative of what we call the Great Migration. Many of our people started leaving the South and moving North. In my family, primarily Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois, in, in, in this general region. Of course, that changed in you know the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. We went West. We went East. We still can be found in, in the Gullah Geechee region. But um, I just want to share that um, since we are already talking about family and bloodlines and lineages and how we come together, you know, as a people, how we come together um, as a family. Oh, she was mm-hmm. from, my mom says Camden, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Her grandmother, my mother. Her grandmother, which would be my great mother, was from Camden, Mississippi. Forgive me, I thought it was uh, Meridian. Yes, all in that DNA, baby. And they're looking, <laughs> and it said they're looking for the God code, um, whatever that might be. Now blocked. Not just for five minutes, but now blocked. Just too much foolishness. Um, yeah, that was a quick sidebar. But yeah, it's all, it's all in the DNA. Yeah, it's all in the DNA. So I'm going to let y'all go. It's 15 minutes past. 
I'm not sure if my nephew is sitting outside waiting on me right now or if he's still in the Airbnb. But I want to show him from New Orleans, you oh, know, sorry. why he's here. I also have a client and appointment. Please, clients and appointments. Forgive me. I'm overwhelmed. I'm divine, but I'm only human. Um, please email me because sometimes I need a reminder. Uh, I'm, I know I'm a little bit behind in terms of scheduling, uh, but that should work itself out in the next 24 hours. So if I've neglected you, please email me. Knock on my email door and let me know that I've ne- neglected you and I owe you time um, in, in consultation. Um, I'm grateful for all of my family. I, I can't tell you how. Uh, again, I went from a runaway team who who lived in a reality in my own head that I had zero family. And, 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 and in many ways, literally at that time, I had zero family. Uh, to now a time where I'm just surrounded and overwhelmed and and supported and, and loved by family. So I'm grateful for this experience. I'm grateful for the technology that allows us to sort of do this and have it be recorded and archived for, for Oloye's great-grandchildren and Osun's great-grandchildren to see and, and all my godchildren's children's children to see, um, you know, and, and, of course, my family and generations to come. So I, I'm just grateful. I'm just going to end with gratitude. I end with the same gratitude and blessings to all. Mirror uh, those same sentiments, love and peace and power to everyone, blessings and growth. Please contact either one of us if you're needed. Our information is out there and look forward to reaching out to everyone. Yes, let me make sure I, sc- I scroll the information. That's our beloved Otan, Ifatomiwa of Armored and Grace. Please be respectful. Yes. She doesn't have a problem with her number being out there, but I do. So I'm just going to ask that y'all be respectful. Leave the sister a voicemail. You can't do healing and, and raise a family and live a life and leave a voicemail if she, if she wants that. Um, I would suggest that her voicemail has her email address clearly stated and that you all email her. I think it's just it's just my opinion, and, and you know, I'm going to give her her respect. She's going to do it how she wants to do it. I'm just, email, email is definitely the preferred I, uh, initial contact yeah. choice. Um, so, But I, I want to make sure that everyone is, you know, feeling any kind of challenges. Reach out to me, sisters. I'm here. Um, just understand, yes, I do have a family. I got four boys, five if you count my husband, and a homeschool. That's a whole lot of stuff. But I'm here for you, and I'm willing to talk it out, and we can absolutely schedule something. So uh, reach out to me uh, by email first if you can. If you absolutely have to call, that's okay, too. Just be mindful of time frames. That's all. Leave a voicemail. A, a, a polite one. A polite one. And somewhere in that voicemail, you should also add, and I'm emailing you right now, sister. Oh, shit. <laughs> because it's, it's just respect. It's about respect. It's about professionalism. Um, y- y'all don't like the word business, but religion is a business. Running a church is a business. Running a mental health center is a business. Run, <laughs> running a drug and alcohol uh, uh, safe house is, is a business. Uh, interacting um, with with inmates is, you know, it's a business. And, and, and to some degree, 
we're doing all of that. Whether you all know it or not, we're doing all of that. You know, we're, we're, we're not just waiting for the noon hour to get in front of this camera. Um, and, and so I, I'm grateful because I interrupt a lunch, uh, especially Oloye. He eats lunch like on clockwork. But I, <laughs> but I would expect that. Yeah, but I would expect that from an athlete, you know. And um, I'm starting to see Oton is also acknowledging her body. And I should do the same thing, except I almost burned mine up uh, trying, to do, <laughs> trying to do the show. But, but it's okay, and I'm about to go and have mine um, in a minute. But I want, to, I want to make sure everybody's contact information was indeed shared and presented and that we continue the grow of this community, this family, this shared sacred space that we choose to create here every day. Friends, family, loved ones, supporters, and yes, even our fans. We appreciate our fans. Now, now we might have to put you on mute or I'll put you on block. So we appreciate our fans. Spread the word, spread the message, run to the hills, complain, say whatever you need. Just spread the word that we're here and that we're sharing real, rooted, African-based, traditional spirituality and religion in this space. And we're inviting you. And we're at three corners of a pyramid on the map. We represent three very different and distinct regions on the map. And so we attend to very specific needs to our communities. You all know I'm fighting for Congo Square. I need you all to fight for Congo Square, write the mayor, email the mayor, make videos about the mayor, tag the mayor, tag city. You all know how to do it in, in social media. Sometimes we have to get loud. Sometimes we have to embarrass people. You know, as a practitioner, you know, almost like a, a psychologist, therapist, we respect the, the information of our clients, but don't underestimate what the practitioners know, especially me. I, I know a lot of people in the city, high and low, big and small, inside and outside the system, you know, and, and I don't want to do like Mama D. Some of y'all know Mama D, you know, and, and start calling out your grandmama and your granddaddy and, you know, some of the personal business that some of you politicians really don't want out there. So, so just use your heart, Cantrell. Use your heart, beloved, and respond to these requests for y'all to stop this challenge. It, you won't see it anyway. You won't see it anyway. Even if it were to start, which it's not, you wouldn't see it anyway. There would be another mayor utilizing that space. So take the opportunity, do the right thing. Just say no. Just, just stop Shit. the encroachment on, on, on sacred space. And all of you in the sound of my voice, you got sacred space right in your town. Right now we're celebrating um, Tulsa. You know, so learn more about not just Tulsa, but the Greenwood and the, and the communities that made what Tulsa was. We say Tulsa. But there were a diversity of communities, black communities, that made up that black enclave all over the country. So let's acknowledge our ancestors. Let's use our power, whether you want to call it Ashe, whether you want to call it witchcraft, whether you want to call it Ajé. Use your power for healing, for purpose, for change, for transformation, 
and know that we must acknowledge our mothers, our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, all those great women that came before us, for indeed they are the embodiment of this great magic, and then they pass it along to us by way of birth. So acknowledge your mothers. No matter what you do, acknowledge your mothers. The black woman is God. The black woman is God. The black woman is God. My, my clients and my godchildren know I say that at least three times every anytime you call me on the phone. I, I want you to know. I want you to be reminded. I want you to be aware. And so in in changing that that programming and changing that magic, we break the chains. We break the generational curses. We free ourselves to be the gods and the goddesses that indeed we truly are. The brother said, Orisha. If, if Orisha can do all manner of magic, why, why not you? He, he said that in the video. Why, why not you? Your Christ said the same thing. Greater works that I've done, you should do. So use your magic. Use your witchcraft. Use your power for righteousness, for change, not for ego, not for self, not for pettiness, not, not, not for revenge, but for change. For real change, for ourselves, for our families, for our people. I, I know I've overtalked. I'm just, I'm in the flow now. If y'all don't, yeah, if y'all don't stop me, I'll be talking for another two hours. So I'm going to enjoy, enjoy lunch with your nephew. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, oh, yes. Thank you so much for being here, everyone, on whatever platform you're listening from, whatever country you're, you're viewing and listening from. We're grateful. Um, we're going to do shadow work Monday. So that gives our practitioners, you know, all weekend to kind of figure out, you know, how we want to bring it. You can't say you didn't have time this time. So, yeah, <laughs> I can't say. Even I can't say. And there's that magic number 16. So let's, let's close on the, on the magic number 16. All is a blessing. I say, I say, and thank you so much, Blog Talk Radio. I'm grateful for you. I appreciate you. Uh, I often forget about you sometimes, you know, and folks be sitting in the Blog Talk Radio chat or sitting on the phone lines just listening. So I want to acknowledge you. I'm grateful. I know I've been ending the show a bit differently uh, since my cousins came on board, and I'm I'm going to correct that to some degree. So there won't be any more, you know, opportunities for y'all to sit and wait for us to say something, you know, across the airways that we probably should be saying in private. So mm-hmm. I'm going to roll my theme music and I'm going to close my blog talk radio. And if my cousins are still here, then, then grateful. And if not, I'll catch you all next time. So blog talk radio is now muted. Congo Square. The Omus Indians, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, 
our host, the Omus Indians. They pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Le Place de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, 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 being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart Beat, heart, beat, heart, be at this place, at this place, be heart, beat, beat, we beating place in new world space, beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace, our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together, circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original 
aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be bonza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate, whip out of us. But no matter... No matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day, a feel, a feel without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember. To beat, to be, beat, Congo Square, be, Congo Square, beat, be, beat, be. Remember. Remember.